Hey there, and welcome to What's the Story. We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's the Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight into your inbox. And the best part, it's totally free. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church, who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. Crowd Church provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions at all, just drop them an email, hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now let's meet your host and our special guest for today. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of What's the Story podcast. I'm Anna Kettle, your host for today, and I'm joined today by Funky Oham, who is an award-winning mentor, author and a speaker. She is passionate about inspiring women to discover their purpose and maximise their potential. Now she turned her life around following the tragedy of losing two babies which she later turned into a ministry called Always a Mum that supports other women with this painful but often hidden issue. Her new book, Believe, is out now and you can find more about it and everything else that she does on her website at funkyoham.com and we'll share more of that in due course as we run through this story. But let me introduce our guest. So hi Funky, welcome to our podcast today. It's great to have you on. Hello Anna, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? What does everyday life look like for you right now? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so, uh, well, I've been married for about 20 plus years. I've got two babies in heaven and two boys, uh, well, teenagers. The second is nearly nearly a teenager, a few months, a few more months to go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I run a support group for women. It's a community and we call it a safe community for women who've been through baby loss or women who are trying to conceive. And um, I've done that in different shapes and forms over the years. But in 2021, I set up a, a virtual community, you know, just after the lockdown. Uh, women join us from different parts of the world. Um, so still the same vision, still the same mission, uh, but it's a virtual community that takes place once a month online. Um, I Well, I've got two boys, like I mentioned, so I'm quite busy in terms of, you know, looking after them um, I'm also quite committed in my local church uh, so um involved in different ministries with young people with the women and um you know the well other aspects of of, of church life mm-hmm. uh well I've also written a book uh, well books like you mentioned the last one came out a few months ago uh, so um I love I love, I love writing and I also do a bit of speaking when I'm invited to events and conferences and I love inspiring people and um, encouraging women, especially, I think that's kind of my main ministry. Uh, that's the main audience I've been called to. To mm-hmm. I also work, you know, full time uh, as a day job, and um, so yes, I'm quite busy most of the time, but I enjoy um, working with people, inspiring and encouraging people. Oh, it sounds amazing and definitely busy. But um, as you say, it doesn't feel like hard work, does it? If it's all stuff you're passionate about and True. stuff that you feel called to and love. So, but yeah, a lot on your plate there, it sounds like. I, I feel tired just hearing about it all, to be honest. <laughs> 
I guess like we're here today to chat a bit more about your story, your backgrounds and the challenges you've overcome. Um, but I suppose we should start kind of at the beginning. So can you tell us a little bit about your early years, about how you became a Christian? Have you always been a Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian family? Can you tell us a bit about where you came from and how life looked growing up? Okay, so early years, I was born in the UK and uh, my family returned back to Nigeria where my parents are from. Um, I think I was about the age of two, my younger brother. Um, so uh, so for me, I grew up in Nigeria, so I feel I'm more affiliated to Nigeria because that's kind of my early, early life. And I'm grateful for the culture and the upbringing because it's given me the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I came back to the UK at the age of about 17, 18 uh, to study for my A-levels and I've been here since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, so my parents, well, my, my, well, my dad definitely wasn't born again. And my mom was very committed in church. Um, so we went to a Protestant church and uh, church life was part of our, our family values. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're always in church every Sunday. And I enjoyed going to church. Um, but I think when I bec- when I got to the age of about 11, 12, I, you know, got to hear the good news and the gospel. And I, for the first time, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I became born again. And um, I've not looked back since then. And I think that has played a pivotal part in my life in terms of, you know, my outlook of life, in terms of, um, you know, making decisions. And I think that was one of the best uh, decisions I made because it's channeled my life in a positive direction. And I think, you know, what will come to that bit in terms of when I face challenges, mm-hmm. um, well, challenges I never anticipated I would face. Um, my fate was what kept me going, even though, yes, it was difficult at first because I couldn't understand why God would let such a, such a well, terrible thing happen to me. But my fate is what gave, was my ankle. And that's what's, that's what's kept me going through every um, situation I faced in life. Yeah, that's really really powerful um so tell us a little bit more about that those challenges then I mean I'm sure there's been lots of challenges through your life in different ways but one of those big ones which we touched on in your bio was uh, a baby loss journey and you lost two two pregnancies two babies um so can you tell us a little bit more about that how did that unfold how did that feel kind of what happened Sure. Um, so you're definitely right. I think sometimes life is full of challenges. And so I've had my fair share, share of them. But I think the one that had the most impact was the baby loss. And that was something like I alluded to earlier on, I never anticipated or I never saw coming. Um, so in 2006, um, you know, uh, well, prior to 2006, I had a short short period of um, infertility, very short, I would say, but, you know, the emotions that go with that phase, you know, of, you know, looking forward to, to well, conceiving, you know, wondering if it's going to be this month, you know, seeing your period and, and then you get a bit, you know, discouraged, you know, um, you know, going for baby showers and praying for others, you know, to conceive and then you go into naming ceremony. So all that you know, feelings I did experience that even though it was only about a 16-month period um, before I actually conceived. And conceiving was like one of the happiest days of my life, you know, seeing those lines on the pregnancy kit and finding that I was finally pregnant. Um, We were both overjoyed and um, we had a, you know, risk-free pregnancy. So there were no alarm bells ringing. Although there were a few times my consultant said to me, it was a bit concerned the baby was small, but because I'm petite, 
that was it was of no well there was there was no major concern and I had a scan five days before my due date and um, the sonographer said to me everything is perfect you know there's nothing to worry about so we went in on the day of labor expecting to come out of after a couple of hours my bundle of joy I'd always imagined walking out of the maternity ward with the cat seat with a baby in there as I've observed other moms and dads do over the course of the last well probably this four to five months um, going for antenatal um, appointments. Um, went into hospital, I was in a lot of pain and I just thought, well, maybe that's kind of what happens. It's labor and you've, you always hear the story. So um, you probably think, yeah, it's normal. And it's your first time, right? So you- Absolutely. And then you you don't know what to expect, so um, you kind of um, a newbie. Um, Got in, they checked me, and I think it was a bit difficult to to find our son's heartbeat. um, But eventually they did, and you know I was being monitored, and I was told, well, you know, still early stages, things will progress. And in between, I'm not sure. I probably dozed off because I was quite tired. It was a you know I got to hospital. I think about. I'm not sure if it was about 4 a.m. now or 1 a.m. I can't remember now. <laughs> anyway, 1 a.m. or 4 a.m. Um, so it was quite early in the day, quite tired, quite exhausted. I hadn't had much sleep. So I dozed off in between and um, I was offered some pain relief because I was in a lot of pain. I eventually decided to take the pain relief. And then fast forward, opened my eyes and loads of medics in the room. And I heard them say to me, do you understand there's no heartbeat. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? That's not possible. Um, you know, how can I go from waiting to have a baby to there's no heart? I mean, that vocabulary was never even in my head. So it, it just sounded really strange. But I thought, no, that that's not possible. You know, we've prayed for this baby. We've waited so long for this baby. I was in church the day before. I was still kind of active. So, I mean, I, I couldn't tell. I just thought, you know what, that's fine. Let's wait till the baby is here. And I'm sure the baby is just going to, you know, kind of start breathing and they'll be, you know, even if I thought it was the case, there'll be a miracle. Um, but our baby was born and first thing I needed was, was just silence. You know, you could actually hear a pin drop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my mom was with us at that, you know, because she'd come from Nigeria a few days prior to support and mm-hmm. help with the baby. Um, so I think first thing my husband did was take the baby from the consultants and he actually started um resuscitating Isaac so he was called Isaac um, mm. and um, nothing happened and it was just like everyone was just like quiet um, so yeah it, it was a very awful experience you know it's something you just never wish to leave again it was something that you just wish never even happened and, and, and as the days and weeks came by the loads and loads of questions I mean we, we believe you know there was a bit of negligence on the hospital's part because um, they were slow to respond and there were signs um, that, you know, his heartbeat was failing. Um, but they just allowed me to kind of stay stay on till the very end. And it was too late because what had happened was my placenta had um, detached from the baby. So there was no oxygen supply. And that's how he passed away. And then I also got to find out afterwards that I had preeclampsia, which no one had ever flagged. Well, so it was all so sudden and there was nothing they could have done to stop it. So, but there, there were a lot of things because, you know, we went back and forth, you know, over the next three years after this happened and um, we we're going to take the hospital to court. But it got to the end and we had a three year time frame to, to actually take action. And we weren't even close to it because we went back and forth with the lawyers. But I think at the end, I just thought, you know, I'm walking away from this. Um, I'd rather channel 
my energy into helping others and supporting others. And that's what I've done. Um, and then, you know, a few months later, I became pregnant, looking forward to that. And then six months down the line, just a few days shy of six months, I went into preterm labor, gave birth to my daughter, Fate, and um, she was alive for 10 hours and then uh, she was gone. So it, it was a case of, well, we can't be going through this a second time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we kind of refer to scripture where it says affliction will not rise. A second time, that was something we prayed, people prayed for us. So we never expected to find ourselves in that position. But I, what helped me was the fact that all the things I'd learned from the first experience, I just thought I'm walking down the lane of despair, of discouragement, of, you know, you know, or of depression. I just thought, you know what, I don't understand it. It does not make sense. And I even said to my husband, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I just thought it was just too much. Let's just consider alternative options. But few months down the line, I changed my mind. And the same year, we lost Fate. We lost, Fate was born on the 13th of February. She died on the 14th of February. And on the 24th of December, we were blessed with a full-time baby one day, well, before Christmas, Christmas Eve. Um, so I, I mean, it's been a whirlwind of a journey, um, three pregnancies in a short space of time. But, but God has been so good. And there were loads of takeaways I learned from that experience. And um, I'm using that experience and that insight to help other women on this journey. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think on the one hand, like you said it yourself there, and it's, it's like nobody ever expects pregnancy loss to be their journey, do they? Nobody goes into pregnancy thinking this might not work out. You know, that, you know, I've talked on this podcast before about our journey with pregnancy loss, and we never expected it either. But for that to to lose two full-term babies effectively at birth and after birth in what the space of such a short time and back to back. I mean, that is fairly rare. And as you say, it's just like nobody expects that twice. That's just horrific. Like, you know, you're you're incredibly strong. And I and I love the fact that you're like, I made a decision to not kind of go down the like legal route, although you explored it, you know, and and to kind of look for to right the wrong in that way but actually in the end you thought I can use this experience to help other women and that's much more life-giving even in the face of that those deaths um but obviously that's that's amazing but there's a whole load of grief and sadness and disappointment and emotion that's there in the middle and like how did you get through those days like was your obviously your faith was really key to that like yeah did you I'm always interested in how people process grief. Did you sense God with you in it? Were you angry? Like, how how did that look in those early days when you're dealing with first loss and then a second one after that, which is just horrific? Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was horrific and it was difficult. Um, and I think because I was quite poorly as well with my first loss, it, it was actually just getting myself back into back into good health and that took a while took a couple of years because uh, I ended up with um, high blood pressure and um, and even on a few weeks after you know Isaac passed I'd gone in for a routine check at the GP because I was being monitored regularly maybe a couple of times a week and I'd gone in and the GP, GP said to me go straight to the hospital because you could actually have a stroke as we speak. So my blood pressure had skyrocketed. And unfortunately, I was sent back to the same hospital where Isaac had died. So it was probably about a week or two after. So it was still very raw. I didn't want to be in the hospital. There were babies everywhere. So it was difficult mm -hmm. to process all of that. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> I think on the door, there was a sticker indicating that I'd lost the baby. And then one of the 
nurses or, or, or junior, junior health assistants came in asking where was my baby. So that was even difficult to comprehend because I just thought, didn't you read the notes? <laughs> you know, and don't you, can't you see the sticker on the door? So I had to start explaining what had happened to me. So there was loads of all of that. And then people calling, you know, leaving messages, has the baby arrived? How are you doing? How's the baby? And then having to recount, you know, what had happened. And, and even some at that point, I didn't even know what had even happened. So I spent a lot of time going through my notes, trying to understand because it all didn't make sense. You know, it's like a bad dream and you're thinking, wake me up from this dream. So I had to like do a lot of research to actually understand I'm the head of the midwives uh, came into our house to visit and apologize. And, you know, we had loads of questions because, you know, I went through all my notes, took my time to go through everything to understand what had happened. Um, and then for me, actually, even though I felt the hospital was negligent, my real issue was with God. It wasn't really with the hospital because I just felt, you know, why didn't you come to my rescue, God? You know, you didn't tell me about this. You know, I didn't have any foreknowledge. It just came out of nowhere. I wasn't prepared. You know, um, I just felt, you know, you could have done a miracle. I even thought maybe, well, maybe, okay, there was a bigger miracle in the in the picture, in the frame. So maybe Isaac would have died and then out of nowhere he rose from the dead. So I had that at the back of my praying for a miracle and thought, okay, maybe this was what God was up to, you know, be all over the news, you know, this baby woke up, <laughs> woke up. You know, so when that didn't happen and the day we buried Isaac, I knew, okay, this was it. He's definitely gone. He's not coming back. And that's when it, I began to actually process all of that. So it was difficult, but I took some time um, to read the book of Job. You know, I just spent some time in the book of Job. I also spent some time rereading the Purpose Driven Life because we read that as a church a while back. Mm -hmm. And I just went back into it with a fresh pair of eyes through the lens of pain and the lens of, of grief. Um, and, that, and that book really, really helped me. Um, and then, you know, God began to speak to me. I didn't have all the answers and it's been a journey. And I think over the years, I keep on learning more and more. Um, but during that time, you know, one of the key, key things I did ask, like Gideon, was where's God in all of this? You know, why have you forsaken me? Um, I, you know, and it was a case of, well, if God is if God is good, then why has all this happened to me? Mm -hmm. And I think that were my questions to God. But over time, he began to explain to me that he's still good in spite of what I've been through, in spite of what I've experienced. And I began to realize what you know, good, good means when we talk about God and what love means, you know, and I also came to realize that I was not forsaken. I was not abandoned. And one of the scriptures God gave me in hospital when I was back in hospital with a high blood pressure was Isaiah 4110. I just heard the, the scripture. I'd never read it before. And I thought, what's in there? And I picked you up. And Isaiah 4110 has been an anchor scripture. Jeremiah 2911 is a scripture that I've had for years and um anytime i hit a brick wall i go through a difficult situation that scripture comes back to life so that was another scripture that kept me going so scriptures um the words god spoke to me listening to other people's experiences also helped me and i think you know knowing that you know god's thoughts towards me were good and not evil and that was going to give me a future and a hope and bring me to an expected end i think that was one of the key things uh, that kept me going. And it was going to uphold me with his victorious right hand, as it says in Isaiah 41, 10. And it says, don't be afraid. You know, so all those scriptures were my ankle. Um, yeah. And the dream of, you know, having a family and, you know, um, looking towards the future helped me and kept me through that time. But of course, it wasn't easy. And mm -hmm. um, there were doubts, there were discouragements, there were fears. But the word of God was my ankle. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good because I think in those seasons that we go through, whether, you know, talks about baby loss, haven't we? But any challenge, 
you know, any difficult time or challenge. And at some point we'll all face death of some kind, won't we? Because that's part and parcel of being human. But um, yeah, it's so interesting that you're like, well, those feelings were all there, but also it was the anchoring to the word of God that kept you kind of rooted and yeah and and kind of gave you that hope and I, I love that that scripture was so central to that that process for you about separating like this is what's happened this is how I feel but this is the truth of God as well and um, that's such you know just such wise advice I think for any challenge that you know listeners might be going through I guess so I mean you talked a little bit there about how all of this experienced your you know this experience like impacted your life and your faith um but you also touched on about how it also you know not straight away because there was a lot of processing and grieving to do that but also that over time it taught you some resilience and has given you certain resources to overcome other challenges that and perhaps perhaps giving you resources that you've been able to share with other people through your ministry since so can you tell us a bit more about that what were some of those key learning points or things that you've learned in terms of that resilience and that ability to overcome through that scenario and maybe other ones that you've you've hit on in your life that's been hard okay um so I think you know well I am kind of person that I tend to reflect reflect on what I've been through and whatever I've learned from that process I apply that to future kind of challenges if we if we use that word um so one of the key things you know I learned was you know that God is always with us um even though we don't see the full picture we have to trust him you know so it's a, it's a, it's a, i think one of the questions one of the midwives did ask me um in hospital when i was pregnant with my third baby um after the two losses was do i believe in god you know so i didn't take that to mean am i christian but it was more for me was do i believe that god will see me through this pregnancy and bring me to the expected end you know did i believe that god so so to say wouldn't let me down because i felt god had let me down the first two times yeah. and, he, and he had the power to, to kind of save me or rescue me but i'm thinking why didn't you do it um so i didn't have the answer to that but for me, it was about trusting God, even when it does not make sense, even when it does not add up, even when I don't understand what's going on. So I take that outlook. And I think over, well, in more recent times, um, so we're talking about a 17-year journey. In more recent times, I've come to be at peace, even when, you know, so to say the world is crashing or my world is crashing and I don't get it. I've come to learn to just trust the perfect will of God, you know, and rather than force and cry and like, oh God, change this, oh God, come faster, come true for me. I just come to say, you know what, he, he's got it all covered, you know, he's in my story, you know, and he has the perfect timing. He wants, well, the best for me, even more than I want for myself. So I've come to trust in a loving father who cares for me. And because I've seen it over time that he's never failed. Even though when it all seemed impossible, even when, even with my third, with my third baby, you know, my son, I mean, a few weeks before he was born, um, I was on a routine check because I was in hospital, like constantly, you know, monitoring me constantly because of my history. And um, his heartbeat had just dropped. I mean, I couldn't hear anything. And um, they were about to rush, rush me into um, do an emergency cesarean. And I just thought, you know what, we're not losing you. Whatever happens, just say to them, just get me in there, <laughs> even though I never wanted a cesarean. <laughs> I just thought, you know, we've we come, we come too far, 33 weeks, I'm not losing this baby, no matter what. 
you know, so, but I've seen God come through even difficult circumstances, even in other areas of our lives where it looked impossible. So I've come to, well, rest in the fact that God has me covered. He's got my back. You know, he's working for me and not against me. And I can just trust, even when it does not make sense, even in the middle of the storm. Mm -hmm. You know, it says in Isaiah 43 that when you walk through the fire, so it does say you will walk through the fire, not that God will take you away from the fire. But when you're walking through it, it's there. Even when you're walking through the waters, you will not be overcome. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's that learning to trust God completely, no matter what it is I'm going through and being at peace and not being anxious. So I think over the years in recent times, that anxiety, no matter, no matter whatever it is I'm going through, has kind of subsided because I know that he doesn't fail. Mm. That's so good. And I think that that's really key point that you raised there in terms of it's not that God takes away all the difficult things. I mean, your story obviously shows that's not true. Um, but as we walk through the fire, like you say, or as we walk through waters, we won't be overcome, but that he's there with us. It's his presence. And I think that's the key, isn't it? It's not that he says, oh, if you follow me, everything will always go your way or always be easy because not that God creates bad things in our lives. That's not true. But but the fact that life is just sometimes difficult, that's the way life on earth is. And yet he always promises his presence and his withness um, with us in it all. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That lends strength and hope in even the most hopeless of situations um, like you know yours could have been on paper and yet even though it seems that way it's like you've got this incredible journey of coming through it and hope and also giving hope to other people beyond it um and you you know you talked a little bit there before about how you know you've gone on to speak a lot on this subject and you, you've written books on it and you sort of share you know you run a regular um group sort of support group um on this whole area of infertility and loss for other women and do all kinds of other things in London where you're based but can you tell us a little bit more about the book tell us a little bit more about what else you're working on at the moment what are some other things you're involved in how does it look right now okay so with the books um so the first one I published it was actually a blog and Mm -hmm. it was meant to be a blog uh well to well get myself out there and start sharing my story because looking back I've come a very long way so someone that was very shy never told anyone about my issue I was very private um, but I just felt this issue was too big to keep quiet about especially for my culture and things have moved on you know nearly two decades on but then these topics were not really discussed as much as they are today and it's still a hidden issue but there's so much more awareness compared to 17 years ago um so there was no one talking about especially in my in my culture you know mm-hmm. so I would go online and have to search and think you know who's been through this because people are just saying to me oh it happened to me when they came to visit me I'm like oh really did that happen I, I didn't even know things like this happened yeah. even though you know but you don't really know no <laughs> until it came knocking on my door and so I just thought why is no one talking about it you know because there were a lot of questions I had and I didn't have answers you know so um, of course, I read my Bible, but there was a lot more I wanted to. I wanted people that were walk, well, that looked like me, women like me, that had walked through this express. I wanted to get their take on it and how did they get through this? And there were so many questions. Um, and I, I think that's what led to me. Um, well, that's what led to me writing my book and just detailing my experience. Um, and then when I wrote the first, well, the first book, which is the book I just published now, uh, some of my sister said to me, well, maybe start blogging so you can actually get an audience and test the waters. Uh, so I wrote the blog 
And then I felt led to actually publish the blog, um, which was in 2012. So I kind of put it all together in a more coherent fashion because when I started blogging was more whatever was in my head, I just poured it out. And I think I found that even therapeutic um, um, as I had my, my sons then. Um, so I had my another son in 2011. So shortly three years after the first one, uh, my well, my first one is alive now, my third born. Um, so I just put it out there. So I published the other one and it was more kind of, you know, the issues I had with my fate. It was more around how I dealt with, with cultural issues around pregnancy, around sharing baby news, you know, around baby loss. Um, I talked about living again after my loss and finding purpose from pain. So it was a very tiny book. It's called Always a Mom, How I Survived My Baby Loss. And I wanted to write that book because I wanted people to know that you can actually get through this. You know, yeah. you can actually, um, you know, come out on the other side, a better person. You can come out on the other side um, a more well a more intuitive person and a more resilient person and also it was just those issues I grappled with you know I also shared some of the insights I gained through this process shall I celebrate Mother's Day so it was some of the questions some of the challenges you know am I still a mother you know even though I've lost babies before I conceived the other ones you know shall I still talk about my children so there are loads of kind of questions they might look like minor things to some people but these were the issues I grappled with and I wanted to it's interesting that other women kind of think some of things and they want answers to um so that was how we started and then the book i actually wrote um you know, about 12 years ago, I just didn't, I just didn't feel it was the right time. And he also had a different title. It was only when I started working on it last year, uh, the title changed to believe from only, it was only if, and it became believe. Um, so yeah, so, and this, well, believe it's more a chronicle of my journey from getting married and all the dreams and aspirations and all, all that, all the vision we had as a couple and going through that journey of infertility, baby loss, and then, you know, getting to the end of being blessed uh, with two wonderful sons. And and the, so it, it's more a story. Um, and then the other ones were more kind of insights I took away and the questions and the process. Um, so, yeah, so two different books, but all kind of linked together, but from different lenses. Mm, yeah, it sounds, I mean, both of them sound really helpful. I think, as you say, one's really sort of the journey you went through, your personal story, and then which I think is always powerful. And that's, you know, why we feature stories so heavily on what's the story. Because um, I think there's really, there's so much power in shared stories, isn't there? And um, and, and you were, you also, I noticed you said that like writing it down or blogging it also helped with some of the processing. And, um, you know, we hear that a lot here that actually people start kind of writing it down and maybe on a blog, it might be in a just personal journal, but actually that's part of the healing process is like, thinking through it and writing through it and working through it but um that they both sound so great and then obviously the other one being more practical advice and I think that sounds like a great tool that even other you know friends family other people that you know because it's not just the individual going through it. it's also you know I hear this all the time it's other people who are wanting to be supportive but don't actually know what the right thing to do always is for somebody's you know been through loss or facing loss um so yeah I, I can imagine it's a really practical tool on both those counts like both for that the, the individual going through it and also those around them too to understand a bit more so yeah both brilliant resources they sound great and um yeah definitely recommend that people have a look at your website to um check those out if you're interested in learning more and we'll put all of that information in the show notes at the end of this podcast as well but Finally, one question that we always ask um, all of our guests on what this, what's the story 
is what's one takeaway lesson? What's one big life lesson that you've learned up to this point in life? I mean, obviously, I know there's probably lots, but if you could distill it down to one thing, what's that takeaway that you would always want to pass on to someone else? Well, very good question. <laughs> and you're right, there, there are loads to take away. Um, um, so, but I'll, I'll stick to the point of your loved, you know, I think that's something we talk about a lot in the waiting room, which is the community I set up uh, with other ladies, uh, the monthly one I mentioned earlier on, that we are really loved. Because um, sometimes you can go through a, a situation like this, and you feel really abandoned. You feel, where's God in all of this? You mm. know, why would God do, well, do such a thing to me, so to say? But he didn't. But, you know, there's nothing at the back of your mind that you expect him to come and rescue you. But I think deeper at the center of it all is knowing that God loves you. And when God loves you, not a, not what well, not human beings, he truly loves you. And he, he only wants the best for you. He will not do anything to harm you or to hurt you. Uh, and um, resting in that love, and knowing that we are loved will keep us through the seasons of life. Because like you said, life is full of challenges. And life indeed, I've come to know, is not a bed of roses. But through it all, we can know that the love of God will guard our hearts and guard our minds and give us peace. And, and also keep us going um, till we get to the end of that process or, or till, you know, things kind of take a different shape. But despite it all, even in the midst of it all, we can know that we can rest secure in the love of a loving father and, mm. and know that he wants the best for us and he will always be for us and not against us. Yeah, that's that's really great. I, I was chatting to someone just the other day, actually, and it reminded me of the same thing that it's so often we can think that when pain comes our way, like when you face a loss, you know, you have those questions like, God, why didn't you? do a miracle why didn't you save you know my baby what why did you put me through this or allow me to go through this and we can have all these questions but actually having the answer wouldn't necessarily take away the pain of going through it but actually even as parents ourselves you know that when your child's hurt themselves or they need reassurance or they're going through something difficult what they really want is just you as a parent to put your arm around them and say it's okay. I'm here. I love you. You know, it's going to be okay. That reassurance, that safety, that, yeah, just that envelopment and love. And I think it's so true. And, you know, you, you just said it then. And I think, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm becoming more and more aware of that actually love answers more than actually knowing all the stuff or having all the kind of insight or knowledge or, wisdom about a situation actually much more than that what we need to heal is just God's love and presence and witness and so yeah I, I really love what you share there thank you um so finally just tell us if obviously like I'm sure some people listening say will have been touched by your story will want to find out more so how can people reach out to you how can they find out more you know where can they buy your book from or link with you on social media tell us tell us all the places Sure. Okay. So the first point of call is my website, uh, funkeoham.com, F-U-N-K-E-O-H-A-M for mother.com. I'm also on Instagram. So still the uh, funkeoham is still the, the, the um, hashtag. Well, it's it's my, well, I forgot even the word you call it. Well, that's the name I use on, on Instagram, funkeoham. Yeah. Um, and then my handle, yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> 
That's my handle. And same name on, on Facebook and uh, Twitter. I'm less on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so Instagram is probably the best place to get me on or Facebook. Um, yeah. yeah. And my website, um, the book is, some of the books are also on Amazon. So you can get them on Amazon as well. Fantastic. So, yeah, as I say, we'll share all of those links on the show notes as well uh, when we put this live. But Funke, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a bit of your story, which I know is really tender and personal, but also just so powerful to hear about and just, yeah, find it really inspiring your incredible faith in the midst of hard things. So thank you for being here with us today and sharing. And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church. Don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way, and we'd hate for you to miss any of them. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Online Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzelak, and myself, Southern Fainan, work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is a creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And while you're there, sign up for our free newsletter to get all the goodness delivered straight to your inbox. That's all from us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.